Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to Transition, Transform, and Evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Alchemy of Business show. We are here helping people find ways to make wiser decisions, to create greater profits in their life and their business, and to have higher purpose and meaning in bringing in entrepreneurs and leaders and executives that have inspiration and have success and have learned to overcome their own failures. We have a show that today, it fits all of those and more. We have Mr. Jaime Nakach here, who is the founder of Virtual Latinos. He is very energetic. You'll see in a few minutes how passionate he is about being an entrepreneur. He's also been in marketing for years, and he's really a self-taught techie. Uh, He integrates his creativity into his business strategy, not only for himself, but for all the businesses in which he's run. And he's assisted over 150 companies to grow online and operate 20 to 30% more efficiently. You say, how may I ask? Well, he's created systems and processes and people, and he also has a digital marketing agency. But uh, Bluminary and a virtual assistant hiring portal called Virtual Latinos he has like things that cover from not just helping you get virtual assistants and team members that are going to stay with you for long periods of time, but he really understands marketing and sales and marketing and automation expertise and creating lead generation. He very much loves to help people to grow their companies and turn them into truly really kind of agile and more effective expense-driven uh, but profit-driven businesses. Uh, and he likes to help them really become more purpose and competitive in their niche. So Jaime, welcome to the show. Much. Thank you so much, Steve. That was a great intro. Probably the best I've had, to be honest. And I really like the fact that you highlighted, you know, really how uh, what I'm doing is about helping businesses, because that's exactly uh, the reason why I started Virtual Latinos, and we're going to talk about it. So thank you so much for having me on the show. You're welcome, Jaime. Uh, Well, we met uh, probably a couple years ago now when um, COVID was at its peak, and I had gone through uh, a couple virtual assistants, and I was looking for somebody that was uh, more focused on what I needed, also on my time zone, uh, which also some was issues. And uh, I don't remember exactly how we met, either through a networking thing or you had prospected me and we I, I liked your style and your vibe and your your positive nature. But I remember uh, you. You know, that you always have that smile on your face, either in your pictures or even in your emails, you can kind of see your smile come through. <laughs> so so tell us, t- tell the audience here a little bit more about yourself. I know you uh, obviously focus on virtual Latinos because of being from Latin America and Mexico City. And you have uh, this experience of being this global uh, entrepreneur who has perspective of a couple different worlds, and you've been able to bridge those together very well. You live in San Diego, but uh, you understand Mexico City from a, which is a city that's unbelievable where I've I've been. But tell us about your early days and how you ended up here as a serial entrepreneur. Sure. Sounds good. Definitely happy to share. So yes, I'm born and raised originally in Mexico City. Been in San Diego for a few years though uh, now, and so most of my experience, uh, let's say professionally, has been in digital marketing. Uh, close to 20 years now. And the company that I first founded is Bluminari, which is a marketing agency. And I really focused on helping really small businesses uh, because that's what I was used to. I started sort of like freelancing uh, since back in high school, doing web design, then graphic design. And then eventually I decided to actually build my own company for marketing. And I always wanted to just not just, but mostly focus on those companies that nobody really wanted to work with because they were too too small and they needed the most help. Um, so it was really helping lots of moms and pops and lots of small companies. And it came to a point uh, in the business that I that I realized, okay, listen, there's a lot of competition in San Diego in the general marketing industry. And I either raise my prices, which many people have already told me to do uh, based on already the quality of the work that we were doing. Or of course, the other option was to lower costs, right? And so I said, you know, I really don't want to raise my prices too much because I still want to focus on helping the small businesses. So I decided to look at that other route of lowering the costs. At the time, my entire marketing team was all in the U.S., all U.S.-based, which meant U.S. wages. And then I learned about the option of actually hiring people from abroad, 
hadn't actually come to mind for many years. And so after reading a book and learning about it, I did what most other businesses who outsource uh, kind of do, which was to hire people in the Philippines. And I did that and I did that on my own, not through an agency. So I posted jobs. I spent hours looking at people, lots of lots of applications, lots of lots of you know processes to go through that. And eventually I hired uh, a total of three different assistants from the Philippines. But then I said to myself, why are we hiring people from so far away? Uh, their internet connections are sometimes not stable at all. Uh, you can usually tell that they have some sort of accent compared to the Latinos, which is a different type of accent. And I was just, because I live in San Diego and I'm from Mexico, I'm like, wait, why haven't we, like anybody thought about hiring people in Latin America? They're way closer. And so I, I literally went to Tijuana, which is the 20 minute drive uh, from San Diego. And I went in there, talked to the people who know the space and they kind of told me, listen, you know, Tijuana is not a big uh, city. There's not a lot of industry, especially not marketers. You're going to find lots of programmers, lots of graphic designers, but like digital marketers, you're not going to find that many. And that's kind of what happened, which forced me in a way to build virtual Latinos because I realized that I couldn't get the people through Tijuana. And then kind of my only other option was Upwork because Upwork has been around for a long time. Uh, you know, they changed their name, but uh, at the time, the, the pricing there was just too expensive. And I realized that that's not going to be what I wanted. And I literally just was looking for a company like the one I, we built today that was just VAs from Latin America. And there wasn't except a single other company that worked like a call center. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I think there's a huge opportunity here to offer that, uh, to offer virtual marketers. That was the original idea. So that's what I started doing, mostly to hire people for my own company, because that was my goal. And so once I did that, I started to see that, uh, you know, not only could I hire people for me, but a lot of more people that are marketing agencies would need them. And, you know, one thing led to another, and we are here today uh, with a whole business now of being a staffing agency of just virtual assistants and virtual professionals from Mexico. So that's kind of the backstory. That's a great story. Well, that's a lot of uh, history that you have there on this journey. And I know you came to the U.S. at a very young age. So did you know when you were coming to the U.S. Um, because of either family background or friends or associates at that time that entrepreneurship was in your blood at your, an early age? Or did that come later that you came from a family that was used to having like regular day jobs and working in <laughs> corporations and companies and you broke the mold? Or did you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Yeah, family of entrepreneurs. Um, I mean, I am Jewish and I'm from Mexico, so I'm a Mexican Jew. And yes, not all Jewish people are entrepreneurs, but a lot of Jewish people are, have been entrepreneurs throughout the history of Jews in general. Um, so yeah, my family came originally from the Middle East, from my dad's side. My mom is Turkish, so Turkish Jewish. And so, yeah, both from my mom's side in Turkey and my dad's side uh, now in Mexico, but originally the Middle East is just a whole line of entrepreneurs. And so, yeah, I, I've been exposed to entrepreneurship, I guess, my entire life, my grandparents, my parents. And so, yeah, I, I knew that I wanted to do something on my own eventually. And as you were coming over, is that, you know, many people with this global world that we live in, uh, specifically you talking about having, you know, virtual assistance for a virtual world. I mean, it was already becoming a, a, a virtual world more and more in the last mm -hmm. five or 10, you know, five, seven years or so. But in the last two with COVID, even companies yeah. and businesses that didn't think they could be virtual, hospitals, doctors visits, schools, um, you know, whatever it might be, have the world has gone, wow, I guess we can go virtual. Um, and so you've already got this connection with understanding coming from different countries, having parents with different cultural backgrounds. Was that easier for you or more difficult when you came to the U.S. as a young kid? Because I know how, you know, kids in general, even if they're from the hood and they live where they live, kids always can be brutal and can be tough. So I'm wondering, you know, did that <laughs> make you question. like more scrappy? Did it make you like sit back and take observation and then figure out how to fit in? So how did how did all of that um, global culture and differences now that you're using to the benefit of many was that yeah. always a blessing for you, or was it a challenge in the early days? You know, uh, in Mexico, the the Mexican Jewish community is sort of living usually in a bubble for many years until after high school, when most most Jewish Mexicans go to like a Jewish day school. I did for very little, but then I didn't, so I was exposed to you know the outside the Jewish community in Mexico. But even then, when I came here to the U.S., I was very shocked uh, that I was like, there's here there's like a whole really uh, bag of mix of everything, right? And 
it was definitely shocking coming from Mexico, where Mexico compared to the U.S. doesn't have, let's say, people from all over the world, at least not back, you know, many years ago. It's, you know, mostly there's Mexicans, right? There's people with different backgrounds, but like you don't see, let's say, white people, black people, Latinos, Asians, like all in one place. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was actually like both shocking, but at the same time, like, wow, that's amazing. Like everybody lives here and everybody respects each other and like people can live together in harmony, right? Which was amazing. So no, I think that only actually helped me uh, in terms of, you know, learning how to work with the whole world and people from all, the, all over the place. Specifically, um, you know, here in San Diego, I'm still part of the Mexican Jewish community, even though it's not Mexico. And yeah, the people here, let's just say they were not as friendly as I expected. They were very hard to break into the little group of friends. So that was hard. It was very hard for me to, to be here, let's say. So yeah, it was definitely a challenge for me. And I know you're a family man as well. Did you meet your 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 partner here in the U.S. or was it someone yeah. that you knew from Mexico City or from the world that came with you at, later in years or you rekindled or anything like that? Yeah. So my wife is from the U.S., happens to speak Spanish, which is great for me. <clears throat> uh, That's uh, a good plus. grew up speaking Spanish. So yeah, it's a good plus, especially because all my friends and family speak Also, Spanish. it always is much more romantic when men speak in Spanish than it is English. So that's always probably a nice <laughs> plus if she, if she understands what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So so that was very nice. Uh, we actually ended up meeting through a special uh, Jewish-Mexican uh, event here in California in Big Bear. And so... She joined the event and I met her through there, which was very nice. But yeah, we met here in the U.S. Got it. And then are, is your family also become part of the family business or is this something you do uh, and you run mostly yourself? Uh, no, it's definitely become a family business now. Uh, my wife now works with me. My father works with me. My best friend works with me. My sister-in-law now works with us. Uh, so yeah, a lot of family members uh, have started to join uh, the you know, the business in a way, uh, but it's still all virtual. I mean, I still kind of work on my own in terms of my physical presence. But yeah, we've been happy and blessed to be able to grow and help so many people, uh, both locally, let's say, in terms of my family and friends and a lot of people in Latin America. That's great. Well, we've got about four or five minutes left in this segment, but I want to throw out some topics and then come back on the sure. next segment and really dig deep on them. So you, you mentioned, so I want to talk more about digital media. I want to talk about building companies from small to large yours and others that you've helped do that mm -hmm. through your processes. And then uh, you've mentioned, um, you know, uh, being Jewish, you've mentioned uh, about different cultures and global stuff. So I want to dig also into yeah. um, in that, um, that uh, one of the things I'd like to talk about on Alchemy Advisors, and we usually get to it in the second or third segment, is uh, this sense of spirituality or religion um, and how people in their purpose, because I find that most everybody has some kind of belief in a higher power in something. Either they don't believe yes. or they believe just in energy or they believe in Jesus Christ or Buddha or they believe in uh, Muhammad or they believe in uh, their, you know, or whatever it might be. There's a whole mix, yeah. which is always intriguing to me. And I'm always interested to find out how people are bringing those beliefs, A, to where they got to on their path. Because a lot of times people are pulling from things that happened in their life that fuels part of their drive, fuels part of their vision, fuels part of their, their value systems. Uh, so I want to kind of plant that seed with sure. it. I want to come back in the next segment okay. and dig on that. In this segment, I also want to dig further and and, and start uh, at the beginning of the next segment, if we could, on this digital space. You said you're in the digital media space for 20 years. I mean, you were like then a pioneer back when there, it was like people were probably, what the hell is digital media? What is digital? I will space? tell you, it, it has been yeah. interesting. Before Facebook, yeah. I was the guy who people knew for posting photos online. So, so let's talk about how businesses in the, in the last years have had to figure out how to utilize digital media and what is so different, um, say, when you started versus now. I know that's a big topic, but maybe just give a couple of different examples as to how far the digital world has evolved since you've been in this space. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, I think uh, since I started doing, you know, web websites before Facebook and a lot of the build yourself tools like Wix and other tools existed, uh, business has changed a lot. I think that there's a lot more power that people have, let's say, directly, right? That they depend less on somebody to help them do things and more people can do things on their own, uh, which I think it's a huge, uh, powerful thing for a lot of, let's say, entrepreneurs or people who just want to try something out uh, for business without having to have too much money. And I think I'm definitely one of those stories. I mean, my family has has not helped me in anything to do with the business. They've definitely helped me a lot in my life, but when it came to business, 
I started all this completely on my own without any funding. And it was really thanks to the fact that there's so many tools and technology today that you can learn on your own and you can try on your own and let's say not depend on a marketing agency or some expert to do things, uh, which helped me grow, right, in what I do. But then eventually also became sort of like a bad thing in, in this case, let's say from our marketing agency, because a lot of people now started building websites and a lot of stuff on their own and didn't really need an agency, you know, at least not all of them, not those moments. So I'll keep it at that for now. Okay, got it. Well, I, I'm intrigued by that because I also have been uh, in, you know, I was in the real estate business for 25 years before I became a consultant advisor. And in the real estate space, we definitely were experimenting, trying everything. Once you get a listing for an agent, trying to use, obviously, when the internet came about, we went away from the MLS books. They had to have a book to figure out what was listed. But, you know, online stuff, Zillow, Social yeah. media marketing, text message marketing campaigns, you know, digital uh, postcards that, you know, attached to QR codes. I mean, the world has evolved so much. And so in real estate, oh, wow. I was fascinated when I got outside of real estate <laughs> and consulting with other companies, how they're using many of these tools and then some at a very high level. So I want to come back and dig into sure. uh, as you're helping entrepreneurs, what are some of the cool and most effective type of digital things that are out there that either you're using or you recommend other people use to help effectively get there. Cause there, there's one thing about getting your business known. Then there's a whole yeah. other thing about getting your business with lead generation. Uh, yeah. Cause sometimes it's about me too advertising. And sometimes it's about, I just need to get more customers today. What, what could I do? So let's come back and talk about that. Cause I'm sure that applies to many people. Sure. That sound good? Sounds good. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening in for the Alchemy of Business. We will be back in just a moment. Come back and learn about if you want to create more leads and you want to figure out how to get more presence in your business and you want to learn about how uh, Jaime's spiritual and religious beliefs have maybe helped craft part of his, uh, his journey, come back and listen in. We'll have an exciting next segment. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business. We were digging deep here with Jaime on the, the world of virtual assistance and marketing and being an entrepreneur and starting uh, from scratch to, to building an empire. So Jaime, let's pop back in. We were, we were picking up uh, on that last segment about the how much the digital media world has changed. You were saying that you've been in this for 20 years uh, in the digital space of websites and you know, I'm assuming getting into SEO and digital yes. marketing. So what have you seen have been some of the most major changes that businesses have had to adapt to in the last decade to try and keep up with this lightning speed change that happens in the digital marketing world? And how do you help your people stay on track learning that and know what to use and not to use? Great question. So, yeah, I mean, I basically graduated in 2003. So I think now that I'm looking at the number, yes, it's been exactly 20 years. So my my second to last year of high school, I was building a website out of HTML for my high school as a project. And then, yeah, that whole journey turned into freelance, into a marketing agency, and today uh, to where I am today. And I think, you know, things change way too fast. Uh, that's obviously something that everybody sees. Uh, I guess learning how to adapt is the hardest thing, right? And so when we're talking to clients, we're constantly telling them that, you know, you're always going to have to be open to learning to do things differently because when it comes to digital media and to many things digital, things are just changing way faster than most humans are used to any type of change, including myself. I can tell you that for me, it's been hard in and of itself in trying to keep up with everything that keeps going on. Um, so one of the things that I definitely try to, you know, teach our clients that I started to teach from the marketing agency world and now into the virtual assistants, it's everything to do with automation, right? So, and then this is me, the guy talking about from a company that hires lots of people, right? You're like, wait, you talk about automation? If you hire a bunch of people? Yes, actually, it was my drive to want to do things uh, as much automated as possible while having the best mix of automation and, you know, uh, human help that led me to build this company. So, uh, I guess the tip here is everything that I tried to do, it's a combination of both, both using everything that a human can do. That's very, very important, especially soft skills, as well as anything that's repetitive that you can automate to not have to, you know, invest lots of time doing repetitive things. So, for example, most clients might think, oh, you know, I can just hire a virtual assistant to do all of the repetitive work that I need to do. And yes, that could be true. 
But what if you had that person instead of 20 hours a day just working on repetitive stuff, maybe 10 hours a day working on repetitive stuff, and the other half, they can help you automate things so that you can actually become more efficient, right? So, and this would in a way go against my business, right? Why would I recommend people to automate stuff? Maybe I want them to keep doing manual stuff so they can hire more people, but that's not the goal. The goal is for people to do the best with the time and resources that they have, right? Whether the resource is money or people or both. So uh, the biggest tool that I'm a fan of uh, is Zapier. It's a, it's, a, it's a company that I was naturally, I guess, one of the sort of earlier users uh, compared to what it is today. Zapier is a tool that lets you basically automate processes. There's a trigger that makes something start the process, and then there's a bunch of actions. And thanks to that uh, system, I've been able to be where I am today. I mean, I literally can tell you that if I if Zapier didn't exist as a tool in today's business world, virtual Latinos would not be where it is today. I've just had the ability to automate so much things without having to hire more people. And yes, we've still hired a lot more people. But for example, my team today is uh, close to 45 people. If I didn't automate as much as I automate today, that team would probably be more like 70 people or 60 people. Um, so combining technology and people is very, very important. And no, thanks for that. I've, I've not used it. I've used Zapier with a client before, but I've not used it for myself. And I just reminded myself when you said that, uh, how important it is I need to check that out in our processes. And I think, you know, the same thing when I was helping people build real estate companies or we were building processes, same thing, anything we could process that we could make a repetitive over and over. It gave us more time to focus on higher mm -hmm. dollar things, lead generation or uh, working with clients, more relationship based. So Zapier is, is Zapier something that then is more like a project management process or is it something that also works in helping in your, in, in media in some way? Does it give you any kind of uh, AI or, uh, or direction on where or what to do in your uh, focus of where you've had efforts at before, or is it specifically more like no. a project management? It's not even project management. It's more like, think about it, you know, the back end part of your business. It's something that's just working 24 hours a day, constantly doing things all the time for you. Literally, it's, you know, the technology, the machine that's doing a bunch of stuff in the background. Uh, once you set it up, usually, unless you need to create more automation, you usually just leave it in the background and it just works wonders on its own, right? It is that perfect uh, automation tool that's just all the time doing work for you. But yes, this is something that a lot of businesses are sort of late, you know, from my point of view, let's say are afraid to dig into, uh, whether it's to do it themselves or to hire somebody to do them, because it's something, you know, completely different than what we do today. Like, for example, everybody's already used to social media, right? You wouldn't have to convince anybody to tell them to go get a social media platform and you know fill it with a bunch of content because it's good for business talking to someone about hey you know you should probably think about how to use automation to make your business better probably not going to be an easy conversation because it's something foreign to them people don't understand how it works how it could benefit to them and in a way that's also the hugest the, the huge opportunity for using it yeah that's great. Well, the the uh, process of then streamlining and duplicating efforts and automating things and then for utilizing virtual assistants uh, or your own team in that fashion. And obviously you're, you're in the business of helping people add to their team uh, so that they either from a cost standpoint or even from a time period where they have choice, uh, you know, saving on benefits, whatever it might be. Who are the ideal type companies or people that are ideal for virtual assistants and who are some maybe that are not? quite, you know, in the right mix or it hasn't been the right fit. Is it, Can you give some uh, commentary sure. on that? Yeah. The first thing I'll say, uh, and, and you haven't said anything wrong, but, but where we're trying to change, especially at least in our company, so we're trying to move away from the term virtual assistants, even though we still use it very much, to virtual professionals. Because, and especially now that COVID has happened, everybody kind of realized, okay, you know, a virtual assistant doesn't have to be just somebody doing admin work in the background, right? It can literally be any professional who's working remotely, right? Mm -hmm. And so today we have uh, people from all over, uh, all over Latin America in terms of geographically, but also from all types of backgrounds. People with, you know, at the minimum, a bachelor's degree to a master's degree to a PhD, people who are both medical doctors, uh, electrical engineers, architects. Uh, a whole range of uh, different backgrounds in terms of 
well, their professions and what they've studied. So that's the reason we're now trying to call them virtual professionals. And that came out of uh, lots of conversations and feedback, but where many of the people who are working with us were like, you know, I'm like a professional. I don't want to just go take an admin job and work like just doing admin work. That's boring. Right. And then they realized once they joined that, yes, there's a lot of different things that are not just admin. Uh, but go, going back to the question. So who are virtual professionals for? So, yes, naturally, many people think that is usually for entrepreneurs or very small businesses that are trying to just figure out, you know, how to save money. And they maybe don't want to hire people in the U.S. because of the high cost. But that's not necessarily true. I mean, these days, uh, our biggest clients are big companies that are law firms. Uh, biotech companies, healthcare, uh, from all over the space, right? And so, yes, they're actually hiring virtual professionals, but not just for admin work, but for many other roles that are not what come to mind, let's say, initially, right? So, yeah, virtual assistant, by definition, you have the assistant attached to it, so you think it's just they're helping you with, like, low-level stuff. Today, there's a lot of medium to high-level stuff, right? You can have an expert in SEO, search engine optimization for marketing. You can have an actual expert that's actually like a programmer. Uh, you can have a sales expert. You can have uh, uh, what we call legal virtual assistants. That's somebody specializing with legal-related tasks, right? So, um, yes, initially, most of our clients were, let's say, one person business to two, three people. These days, we're helping all sorts of companies, no matter what their size is. Now, yes, they're not going to be big corporations, let's say, like a Google or Facebook, because obviously all those people hire people, let's say, in-house, not necessarily outsourcing all the time, even they all, even though they also have teams outside. Uh, but let's say at this point, I would say it'd be any company that has anywhere from, of course, you know, being a team of one to two, all the way to 50 or 100 people. I mean, we have now clients whose total team is about 100 or more, including both our virtual staff and their local staff, because it can also be a hybrid. Got it. And I remember that you've got, you know, like you said, if you want just an administrative person who can help on task and mundane things, you have the ability for that. Sure. But you also have marketers, digital marketers, expertise, people that have degrees and various things. And I think what's happened in the world that is as it's evolved either digitally or virtually or in the e-commerce world of um, the gig economy is just like what Uber did. You know, it gave people who might have full-time jobs or part-time jobs another way to make income. And they'd say, mm -hmm. hey, yeah, I'm a, a teacher during the day or a, a doctor, uh, this, but I want to pick up some extra money or meet people. So in this scenario, so many people went working from home during COVID mm -hmm. and probably got to adjust their schedules, maybe looked at their priorities or what they wanted to do. So um, I think it probably gave the whole world an opportunity to look at other ways to make income or use their talents or their skills. And obviously companies to potentially take advantage of those skills or tools. I also know that there's some nightmare stories. Uh, you know, my, uh, we were talking about on the break with our engineer here about some of the horror stories that have come with people that use virtual assistants and, you know, how to vet them, how to make sure you're getting, you know, not sloppy work or getting professionalism or, getting a fair price or at worst case, they're not getting frauded or <laughs> jacked around on something from people that are using it for some other scheme. So how have you seen some of those horror stories, horror stories in the, in the industry and how does your company prevent people from having those experiences? Yes. Great question. So this has happened both to me and to many of our clients, which is both not so good, but also a blessing uh, on the one hand for my end, um, so like I mentioned, I did hire people from the Philippines and I know that there's a lot of great people in the Philippines, do not get me wrong, uh, but there's definitely a lot of people out there. So naturally there's always a percentage of those who are going to try to take advantage of, you know, what's happening in the industry. So yeah, I got scammed and frauded, um, where I paid someone and they didn't actually do any of their work. And not only that, that person was defrauding more Filipinos because they were, she was outsourcing work to other people who made them do work and then she didn't pay them. So it was like a two-way fraud, which was horrible. Uh, I ended, you know, money-wise, I only it was only a hundred bucks for me plus the PayPal fees at the time, which was really not that bad in terms of money when I see it now. But uh, that negative experience plus another two negative experiences that I had for other reasons basically was the reason I was pushed uh, in a way or pushing myself to build a better solution. Right in this case, uh, what we ended up building for virtual Latinos. Now, initially, we built a directory, something very similar to the website that I use called onlinejobs.ph, which is really just like a job portal. So initially, Virtual Latinos was just that, uh, a directory that you could just find the people on your own and hire them on your own. 
And the reason I did that is because I knew that as an entrepreneur, or I thought that I knew that I should just go hire on my own because I want to not have to hire through an agency to not pay a little more, right? So I did that even knowing that it was a total waste of time when I did it on my own because it didn't actually work out. But somehow I thought that was going to be the right idea. And that ended up becoming more of a transition into the agency business, which goes back to your question, you know, has that happened to other clients? Yes. Many clients come to us today saying, hey, listen, you know, I work with a company here or there, whether it's in the Philippines or somewhere else, and it hasn't been great or the people that have been working haven't worked out or whatever the reason is. Uh, people come looking for a better solution <clears throat> that they can trust, right? And I think trust is a big word that we should always try to remember and highlight in, in the online space because when you're doing business online, trust is the most important thing. People are not seeing you face-to-face. -face. They don't know if you have a physical place that you, they can go to and complain or something like that, right? It's all digital. So nobody really sees you face-to-face. -face. Nobody knows each other as well as, let's say, that you used to when everybody lived in a small neighborhood, right? So having people trust you is a major thing. And that's something I learned and practiced through our marketing agency in terms of, you know, what you put out there on your website and all your marketing materials. How can you make sure people trust you? So we're doing the same thing here in Virtual Latinos. We want to make sure people trust us. And the trust is hard to get. And once you break it, it's hard to gain back. So what I built in terms of the process to make sure that people that are going to go be hired through our company are not going to be doing fraud or bad things. Uh, I basically made the whole application uh, process for our, our virtual assistants very long, very detail oriented. We test a lot of things without telling them exactly what we're testing, which is why we only accept 5% of everybody who applies. We make the process very hard, long, let's say boring, and tedious on purpose because we want to just find the gems out there that are willing to put in the time that are willing to be detail oriented that are willing to do what it takes to be part of our community to begin with and that's like the first stage once you've been uh, finally accepted into our community then yes then we actually match those people with specific jobs um, but yeah actually that's been the biggest success of our company where we moved away from the model where people hire on their own because the same thing was happening even if there were latinos and we were preventing them People weren't sure who they were going to get. Now, when they hire through our agency and we, you know, give them a guarantee that we're going to give you people that are good. And if not, we replace them uh, and we take care of everything so that they don't have to. Uh, and most importantly, we save people not only money, but time, right? The whole process lets people come to us. We explain to them everything, how it works. We interview the client for at least an hour and we provide to them very specific candidates just for their role. Only three to four. We don't give them a hundred on purpose. Well, that's great. Well, I'm sure that's a great peace of mind for those that might want to be trying virtual Latinos and having this process to go through uh, with Jaime. Uh, so uh, hopefully people will take you up on that. And I know as we're coming in and wrapping up this segment here in a few minutes, I know in addition to that of saving people time, which is what we all wanted, whether you're trying to automate things, create systems or processes, uh, find more time in a day for your family or for what you love to do. So saving time is key. And I want to definitely come back on the next segment and talk uh, some more about saving time. I also, in addition to that, uh, skills is creating culture. And one of the topics that's very hot in everybody's business right now is over the last couple of years, businesses that had to go virtual because of mandate uh, and working virtual and how difficult it is to keep your team cohesive if people are running small, medium or large teams. Um, and how do you keep the team and the camaraderie growing and keep the culture of your company at a high level? And now many businesses have opted to possibly stay virtual, even if they're going to start lifting mandates at various times, as they already have, or doing a hybrid of giving a choice work environment for their staff. And I know we've got a slide here as we as we wrap up slide seven, I think it is um, uh, for Joshua uh, on the that you have are the five key social skills to implement at work. So I want to just have you briefly talk on this and, and then um, we'll come back and pick up on this after the next segment. But I want to talk about this virtual world and how business owners that maybe aren't using virtual professionals right now or virtual assistants, how just what are some of the skills you have and the knowledge you have to help people get some tips to, to create a mo more cohesive work environment in a virtual experience uh, and to keep trust and to keep the quality of their product or service. So tell us about these five key social skills here for those that aren't seeing it. Um, uh, if you're listening on audio versus uh, viewing this, uh, these are, I'll just uh, let Jaime read them off and, 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 sure. uh, and, and tell us why they're there for the, your group. 
Yeah, sure. So here, I'm going to read them first. So it says five key social skills to implement at work. Uh, number one, empathy. Number two, leadership. Number three, listening to others. Number four, assertive communication. And number five, emotional intelligence. Uh, so yeah, these are very important skills. You know, obviously, you're hiring and working with people. And you have to have really good social skills, ideally, to be able to be successful in, you know, working in general. Uh, when it comes to working with anybody, whether it's remote or not remote, right? And I think uh, part of what we try to uh, tell our team both internally as well as in our with our clients when we do the onboardings, which is part of the process that we do is, you know, we got to listen to each other and have empathy, right? We got to try to put each other in each other's shoes and understand where everybody's coming from to really understand what they're going through to be able to help each other out. Uh, leadership is a big important thing uh, that we specifically talk about because everybody who we accept, we want them to be leaders to be in a way entrepreneurial because we don't want people to be just waiting for them to be told what to do. I think that when people have the initiative to do things on their own, they really help uh, our clients and they help themselves. So I think leadership is a main important part of what we do. Uh, listening to others in a way it's connected to empathy, uh, listening to others naturally you you know it's very very important because if you don't listen to what other people uh, other people's needs are you can't really figure out how to work together um, so socially sometimes listening is more important than talking as many of you might know uh, assertive communication uh, what that really meant is more about being direct in terms of you know what it is that you're trying to achieve and what it is that you're trying to get done uh, so that people don't get confused and they don't have vague understanding and you know in the digital world especially today when working uh, virtually a lot of the communication is written and sometimes written communication could be misinterpreted or something that doesn't actually have like a zoom video face-to-face -face might not be um, so easily understood so we mean assertive by making sure that people understand what you really want and make sure that there's no misunderstandings and that people can understand what you're trying to get across and emotional intelligence uh, the last one in the end really is about being mature uh, in terms of your emotions and how to handle yourself professionally. Because again, you're not in a regular office, you're interacting with people both through text, video, audio, and you gotta emotionally know how to handle your emotions professionally, right? And being intelligent and when to say things, when not to say certain things, especially in this virtual world. That's great. Well, I wanna come back and dig on emotional intelligence and it fits in perfectly because in the third segment, I like to talk about just that emotional intelligence into intel in you know we all have the uh, the thing we've heard about about iq eq and now artificial intelligence is a big piece of what everyone's doing that also flies into the digital world and i also like to talk about spiritual intelligence and we and i uh, teased that at the beginning of the first segment about your um you know you're a mexican jewish uh man and you have your own religious and spiritual beliefs and I'm curious on how these principles in empathy, leadership, listening to others, assertive communication, emotional intelligence, and spiritual intelligence affect your success and growth in the workplace. I also want to come back on this next segment for those listening or viewing in and dig a little bit deeper on how you do manage your business in a virtual world to keep expenses down, to keep your team cohesive, to keep your yes. product and services at the top of the food chain and to still stay relevant and to most importantly, keep your culture and to keep your vision and to keep your mission. So how can you do all of those things? So let's come back and uh, talk more with Jaime about that because he does that all day, every day. And I'm sure mm -hmm. that's affecting most of us. So uh, we'll be right back on the Alchemy of Business Show. Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business Show. We're talking with Jaime here about uh, a lot of things, including not only digital media, but virtual assistants. But we were starting to get into emotional intelligence as one of the key factors that he has as kind of the culture uh, growing items in his company, along with listening and communi uh, effective communication skills. But um, Jaime, popping you back on here to the screen and carrying on our conversation, one of the things we were wrapping up on on this slide about how you have these five key principles um, and, and one of the things you do either in culture or training is this um, uh, thing on emotional intelligence, which is really about, like you said, people handle a lot of different 
interactions uh, when you're working as a virtual professional and you're dealing with people's uh, stress, tempers, humor. Mm -hmm. uh, and so sometimes your own emotions, whether you have stuff going on at home, especially as people are working from home now, oh, yeah. I have found that the emotions that people are dealing with, juggling kids, juggling dogs, juggling the delivery men, uh, you know, sometimes it's even more stressful to work at home because you've got two <laughs> yes. or three people working from home spouses or, you know, whomever, and they're in the other room on Zoom. And so this emotional intelligence, let's talk about that. And I want to roll into that with some of this talk also sure. about artificial intelligence and then spiritual intelligence. So how are you getting people aware of how to be, um, number one, aware of their emotional intelligence, but how do that people manage that? How do you help them in your training, your, your group yeah. conversations, your team meetings? How do you help people manage their emotional intelligence? Sure. So as I was speaking before, you know, we've made our process kind of long and very detailed on purpose. So we have people definitely fill out, let's say, a regular application with a bunch of questions, uh, including open-ended questions. Uh, but then we make them go through more hoops. One of those hoops is something that we built, which I'll share here. Uh, you know that when you're going through a website and then you're like, oh, yeah, I just need to say that I read the terms and conditions and nobody does. So because I wanted to save time to make sure that people really understood part of the culture of virtual Latinos as well as how it works, I definitely wanted people to read some documentations before they agreed to be part of the community. And of course, nobody did. And then we had all these problems because once they were hired, we were like, okay, you're supposed to know this. Oh, yeah, but I didn't really read it. So we ended up making a little quiz that people have to pass 100%. And then it became a really um, crazy thing within our community because it's not very complex. You know, we give people the links of where the answers are. And then it's a 20 or 16 or 18, 16 to 20 question uh, thing. And we make sure that people have to spend the right time patiently to read things thoroughly. And then we ask them, you know, the questions that are very simple questions in my personal opinion. But definitely part of the things that they have to read when it comes to emotional intelligence is, you know, how to be a good member of the virtual community within virtual Latinos, how they represent not only our company, but all Latinos in general, how uh, many things that they need to read about how to succeed uh, as a remote worker, because many of the people who come to us have never worked remotely other than COVID. Um, so there's a big shift in mindset in terms of like, hey, I just go to an office and I work as opposed to, hey, suddenly in a way I'm an entrepreneur. And even though I'm still having to work for someone, you know, I really have my own computer, my own setup. Uh, there's a lot of things that you have more flexibility on. So we need to really kind of have that sh shift in their mindsets in terms of what it really means to work as a virtual assistant, which is actually why, other than that quiz and that whole things that we ask them to do, we actually have an onboarding. It's a required thing every assistant has to do. It's a 30 to 45 minute one-on-one -on -one live meeting with our customer success team uh, that basically we teach him even though we assume they read whatever we asked them to, we still actually go over it and we tell them, you know, how to do a lot of time tracking, how to communicate with clients, how to expect to be communicating with them, whether it's through, you know, voice notes or through text or through email. So we really coach them uh, and we want to make sure that they can actually uh, be ready to be as successful as possible, right? And that's for all of the assistants that work with our clients in general. Internally, for all the team that works with us, uh, we've also done a lot of, you know, sessions where, I mean, every two weeks we meet with the entire team of 40 plus people. And I'm very open about the importance of communication because everything online is communication, right? Um, so we just talk about it as much as we can. That's great. Well, and a lot of people listening in are all either A, working virtually themselves or their teams are. So as people are building their teams, in addition to being aware of this emotional intelligence and the testing thing on the quizzes is always fun because it's kind of like trust but verify. And then yeah. as you mentioned coaching, I mean, we can all use coaching moments. And when people have an episode with another fellow employee, an associate, a client, using that to help them along in that process. So when people are now uh, in this world that we've been forced to go virtually in, do you have any additional tips for leaders, for managers, for business owners that are other things they can do to work on keeping their team cohesive, oh, yeah. focus the eye on the ball and keeping also their core values of their mission and their uh, value proposition that they have within their organization? What are some things others can do? And, you know, they may be things you're doing as well, but I'm just I'd like yeah. to have a little bit of chat about that in the reality of the world we live in right now. Sure. Um, so one of the things that we're trying to also change or not change, but make something better. Uh, and for those who don't know, you know, most virtual assistants are hired as contractors, not as employees for all the benefits of hiring people as contractors. 
so for that reason, you know, from a legal point of view, you don't have to pay them vacations. You don't have to pay them bonuses, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. So uh, we've made a decision already a long time ago that we give our team lots of what we call perks as opposed to benefits in terms of making sure that people know that we care about them, that they're part of our business. They're not just somebody that we're having them do some work and that's it. They are part of the team. They are part of uh, you know, our organization and everybody's very important. So from a business perspective, we have a whole set of perks that in, in our specific case, for example, we created a whole range of different perks that they get as they stay longer with the company, right? And that's something we can talk about it uh, later. Uh, but going back to the question, you know, what can people do to make sure that the community and the culture stays as best as possible? So right now we're implementing the process of a book called Traction uh, about the entrepreneurial operating system. Uh, maybe you've heard about it. Uh, it's a book yeah. that somebody we'll recommended that a long time ago. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, we'll it's a really great book and we're putting it in place into the company now. And it's really good to put it into the company now because when we were a small company with like 10 people, everything was just very organic. We all knew each other. It was really easy, right? Now we're like more than 40. Not everybody knows each other. Maybe not everybody read about the values. We're not talking about them as much because we're too many people. So now we're going through this process of really defining our values, defining our goals. And even though we already have them and we have them in our website and all these things we share, now we, we want people to really talk about them for people to really understand so that we're all on the same page. And I can tell you that it's been definitely very hard. We've had multiple sessions internally in the team where we keep talking about what's our goal and what's the best way to write it for the long term. And it's been hard because uh, you want to make sure that it's going to be something that we can keep for as long as possible once we've defined many of these things. Um, so yes, uh, other than that process, we actually separately non-work related, uh, once a month we have, uh, basically like a social optional thing where people can just come and we do lots of just activities and things that are just fun, nothing to do, nothing to talk about work. And that's very hard. So especially when working remotely, whether it's remotely in the same city or remotely across the world, having that human social part that's not work related, it's very important because we see the more time we spend on making people happy with each other and getting to know themselves as people, not as workers, makes a huge difference in how they work as teams. Yeah, that's very true. Well, I've seen a lot of people do fun things like that with this virtual thing of having virtual uh, coffees together, having virtual cocktail hours where people get their favorite veggies, they get back on after work and they yeah. have some kind of a group thing or they'll do like watch like famous clips of movies and talk about them while people are having their wine or their beverage. Uh, there was somebody that in the heart of COVID had a, uh, a baby shower or they did a whole virtual baby shower on Zoom. So I think having those interactions where you can have some fun with your people and also continue to remind them, like you said, of what your mission statement are, your core values, and getting them involved in the process so they understand what that means. Uh, the book that I finished last year called The Iggy Principles, which is about inviting good in versus edging good out uh, or, or staying out of your ego, which is edging good out or got out uh, versus the opposite of inviting it in, is it? I talk in the book about the principles of these simple steps of forgiveness, acceptance, paying it forward, uh, you know, prayer and meditation. And how can you make those things available to employees that allow them the time or space for additional education or for self-development or for yoga time or whatever it might be? So in your perks or benefits as companies are looking at building culture or creating more connection with emotional intelligence, some of these things we have to not that we have to be the leaders of that we're implementing those and show them that it's yeah. okay to have importance of family and importance of spirituality. Uh, in this intelligence space, obviously I mentioned early artificial intelligence. We were talking earlier about digital media, social media, connecting processes. What are you seeing in the, in the world of AI or artificial intelligence that yeah. also is helping people to automate, to streamline, to customize, to save time. So uh, any feedback on that topic? Sure. So it's definitely a hot topic, as you already mentioned. We ourselves have a little algorithm that we built for prioritizing how we accept applicants. So for example, internally, we let's say in a simple process, we would process whoever came in first and whoever came in last, we would process them last, right? But then you got to a point that we realized, hey, you know, we're just processing people the way they come. That's not necessarily the best way because if we had an algorithm that can give us a probability of checking somebody that's better, even if they just applied versus somebody that applied a long time ago, 
um, let's come up with a little artificial intelligence, right? So uh, now I'm not sure whether the right terminology is, is it really artificial intelligence or not, or is it just a really good algorithm? That's to be defined, right? But the point is we, we have put some technology in place uh, already internally so that our team who processes applications, we divide all the applicants into five groups, the top 20%, the second top 20, and then the, the next the next 20%. And so we always process people who are in the top 20%, regardless of when they come in in terms of their application. And that algorithm keeps, keeps getting better as we have more and more data from everybody that we process, right? That's like a really simple AI, uh, but we definitely believe that we're going to need to put more artificial intelligence into our process if we want to stay competitive. And I can tell you that that's probably the connection between AI and like, why should people use AI, right? And I think that having a competitive advantage is one of the main reasons. I can tell you that just in the last two years alone, because of COVID, I mean, virtual assistant companies are popping up like mushrooms everywhere. Like we're every week, I'm sending my team everything we find of more competitors that are coming into the space. So of course we ask ourselves, what do we need to keep doing to make sure that we're always going to be relevant, that we're always going to be the, the best possible choice for what our focus is. And in a way, not only being efficient with regular, let's say simple automation, that's what Zapier does, but putting into you know, a higher level you know, intelligence to do decisions for us is the next step. Yeah, that's true. I, I, and I'm seeing it in everything, of course, even some of the stuff we don't realize it's in, whether it's stuff on Amazon or in my medical uh, stuff or in figuring out what, who, what I should buy, where people, you know, so artificial intelligence of, of this really looking through to try and make our lives easier. It is a lot about looking at like big brother watching sometimes. It's oh, like yeah. you might have looked at something on Facebook and two or three days later or within that day, you get an ad popping up about a camping site or a pair of shoes that you thought you. So, I mean, it, this this piece of this artificial intelligence of technology, looking at data, looking at yeah. patterns, looking at trends, looking how we post looking what we are interested online about or giving us suggestions and tips of chat boxes that come in and use FAQs and Q&As to help answer many of your questions that can help you mm -hmm. through the process. So I do find it it's it's pretty fascinating and I think it's going to become more and more in not only media but digital media, communications, uh, and many of the things you talked about, about staying in communication with your consumer or within your employee base. And then how do we put that human element on top of that artificial intelligence so that <laughs> they're getting that heart and soul and purpose of how how do we take this AI and not turn it into a cold, uh, a cold harsh kind of connection, but it really is a way to have a little bridge until you have time to get to have that heart soulful connection. Yeah, uh, let me I'm give you a quick example because yeah, go ahead. you know we're we're building right now a chatbot because the volume of assistants that apply, you know, we're very blessed is, is very high, and people ask a lot of questions, many of the same questions. So we ended up hiring somebody to build a chatbot, and you know he's just trying to build it from a technical perspective, right? And I was like, okay, like this is great, but one thing I hate is when I'm when I know I'm talking to a chatbot and I don't want to, and I want to get a human, and there's no way to get a human. It's the worst customer experience that you can have, in my opinion. So I told them very much, you have to make this chat, but be very smart so that when you obviously can't answer the question, it has to ask the question, would you like to speak to a human? Or I should be able to type in human and you need to connect me to the humans from our team, right? Because I very much believe in the, you know, the right connection between both. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you have to have that bridge because it, you know, it, it's one thing. And in, in the real estate space that I was in for years, we agents got very nervous about technology and because, oh, technology is going to replace real estate agents. Technology is going to replace real estate agents. I said, look, guys and gals, technology is not going to replace real estate agents. But agents with technology are going to replace real estate agents, no doubt about it. You know, there's 100%. certain things that really just have to have that human touch. And that is absolutely one of them. And then the, we've got about four or five minutes left here in the space. And I want to roll into this art. You know, the, we talked about emotional intelligence and intellect and uh, artificial intelligence. I'm always fascinated by spiritual intelligence because the more and more I see technology evolving, like bots and AI and all this communication, as cool and as fascinating it is, I still kind of chuckle about how remedial it is in a kindergarten way compared to what some higher universal power has created by making the, the yeah. planets go in the right way and the tides come in and out and the sun uh, rise and, and fall and, you know, uh, you know, babies being born, just that whole thing of the intelligence about higher consciences. Yeah. So you mentioned about earlier about your uh, 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 Jewish and your Mexican. And so I'm curious, do you define yourself as 
uh, religious Jewish? Do you consider yourself as not identified in religious with Jewish? Do you consider yourself a spiritualist? What's your definition Great. of your own spirituality or your religion? Yes, uh, I'll give you first a 30 minute, uh, 30 second answer for that. So when I came to the U.S., I only knew that I was a Jewish person. That's it, right? I mean, my, my nationality was Mexican. Now I'm also U.S., but uh, I was just a Jew, right? And suddenly I came to the U.S. and I realized there's like 10 types of Jews. I'm like, why? Why is there 10 types of Jews? That's like something very American. So, but to answer the question, I grew up, let's say, how most people outside the U.S. grew up in terms of being Jewish. Were you just Jewish? And that usually means you get to be taught the Orthodox Jewish way. Then you get to choose what to do or not to do. So I would call myself a traditional Jew, which means I'm not Orthodox. I don't follow most of the religious stuff, but I'm very much a traditionalist. So we do many of the traditions, which includes, for example, Shabbat dinner, which is Friday nights. We have a family dinner. We do a little Hebrew prayer. And, you know, it's family time, all the Jewish holidays and stuff like that. So I, I always uh, grew up very traditional. And even within my family, people even make fun of me. It's like, oh, you're too old school, too traditional, right? So it's both my total tech side and automation and all that part of my business. With At the same time, now I'm a father of two uh, daughters. One of them is almost three. The other one was like five months. And like, yes, I'm still very much connected to my spiritual side. And I'm looking at my daughters and I, you know, I tell my wife, it's like, wow, like, I can't believe that we as humans can create these things. It's obviously that there's a higher power. I mean, I mean, I, I believe that there's a God. I definitely think that it's more of the energy part that every that connects everything uh, that's a living thing, you know, regardless of what the religion is. And yeah, I definitely think that it's amazing uh, that things such as babies can exist and they can grow and they can change. Um, so I'm always connected to that part of myself. Uh, my father... Uh, even though he was never, let's say, religious, he was also even more traditional and did a lot more things that are very, let's say, Jewish <laughs> that he doesn't do today. But I've always been connected to my Judaism, uh, to Israel. So that's always been a part of me that I, I always keep very close to heart. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by religions. I study the Eastern, the Western, the different ones. I was brought up very strict Catholic. I don't practice in that way anymore because I'm more of a spiritualist and believe in a lot more universal principles. But I was always understanding the importance of having commitment, having ritual, having a practice, yeah. having a discipline, because that, just like you were talking about in our businesses, having automation, having a system, having processes in our lives of our own yeah. growth from a spiritual perspective or doing the right thing. And just having that practice, it makes us at least pause and take time to give thanks or for gratitude sure. or do the right thing for something higher than ourselves. And what I learned long ago is I definitely do believe in a higher power and I do believe there's something greater than ourselves. And I for sure know it's not me. Uh, so <laughs> I'm a part of that energy and I'm a part of that that being, but I'm always fascinated to know that there's way more past than one and that this energy that we can utilize doing good in our businesses and paying yeah. it forward is key. So uh, it looks like you're doing a lot of that in your world of passing that on and passing on your good. So I want to uh, make sure that the listeners here know how to uh, get a hold of you and learn more about you. I think we've got a slide here, but why don't you tell us uh, the best ways for people to reach you or to learn about your sure. company? And uh, yeah. we'll have the slide up for those and we'll put it in the show notes as well. So those that can see your sure. contact info. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to learn more about it, let's say me specifically and kind of what I'm into, which is this whole automation and connecting and outsourcing to people, uh, you can look at my website, uh, heidmanacat.com, and the link will be down there. The website of the actual company is virtuallatinos.com, uh, as well as on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, you can just look up the, the two words, virtual Latinos, and you can also find me on LinkedIn uh, with my first and last name, uh, up until today, I'm the only guy with that name. So yeah, you can definitely look me up in there. And if you want to reach out to me directly, I'd love to. It's my first name, J-A-I-M-E at virtuallatinos.com. Well, thank you very much, Jaime. And I know we didn't get a chance to talk about your charitable work that you like to also contribute. I know you've involved in orphanage mentors where you're, you like to help uh, kids that are a little uh, underprivileged and you got your company focuses on that. And yes. uh, those that want to learn more about his academy that he's building also for virtual Latinos to learn more about growth and different topics and uh, how to be specific. So there's a lot more you can find out about Jaime on his website and about virtual Latinos. And I want to thank you for your time, your energy, and helping share with entrepreneurs, business leaders, and uh, businesses about uh, how to maximize their, their internal gifts that they already had and how can they make those gifts and their tools and their talents even more effective so they can spend more time on what they love to do. 
and not just work, but also spending more time uh, when you save that time on family uh, and in what you I love agree. and finding your passion and your joy. So thank you so much for uh, Jaime for joining us on the show. Any last words of wisdom before we sign yeah. off? Yes. I want to tell you that one of the things that makes me the happiest is that, you know, I've always wanted to do things that are not just for business and making money, but also the, the ability to help a lot of people. Right. So um, I'm really blessed to say that in our company, there's a three way win, win, win situation. Usually somebody's sort of feeling like they're being taken advantage. But in this case, the assistants are making a lot more money. So they're happier. The clients are saving lots of money. So they're super happy. And we as a company can also you know, win as a company. So I'm just really blessed that uh, we're able to be in a business that not just is here for the profit, but actually helps a lot of people. And our reviews from our clients and assistants show us that, and we love that. You know, we're really helping people. Well, thank you very much, Jaime. Well, thank you all that listened in. And thank you, Joshua, for show engineering here today behind the scenes. Uh, and uh, thank you for those, again, listening in or viewing in here on the Alchemy of Business, where we are helping people make wiser decisions, find ways to make higher pro uh, profits in their life and in their business, and most importantly, finding higher purpose and higher meaning. Uh, come back and join us. If you like the show, please subscribe. Please uh, give us a thumbs up and a like. Uh, we'll be having more guests, uh, uh, quality like uh, Jaime here. So thank you very much for listening in. Make it a fantastic day. Thank you, Steve. Day. Thank you very much, Jaime. Thanks, thank you everybody. so much. Take care. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed, and see you soon.